The Ghostman Show on AlbionRadio.com The Mysterious Night Demons of Tasmania Very strange feature of the paranormal in Africa or Jesus and the Isles of Zambia, Acapello, a semi-autonomous region in Tanzania. There is said to prowl a shape-shifting demonic entity. Locals call the Popo Bara, a Swahili word that actually translates as backwing. The creature is said to be able to take both human animal forms as well as more nightmarish and surreal forms. One of its favourite manufacturers seems to be that of a large bat. That with pointy ears, a single eye in the centre of its head, and a phenomenal talons in its fingers. Its presence is said to be heralded of an intense surface odour. These are the creatures that stalk the night to feed off for the unsuspecting, and which have kept the people of rural Tasmania held in the grip of fear. A popo borrower is said to be decidedly malevolent in entity. It revels in tormenting human beings, in particular, swiftly targeting those who don't believe it, in it. If one is lucky, it, it will merely manifest protocols like phenomenon, but it is just as likely to physically attack its victims of breathless violence. With one of its favourite tactics being to sit upon the person's chest to slowly crush suffocate them, perhaps even more menacing still, there is that its form of demon is said to be in many ways like an incubus or succubus. Feeling of sexual energy that derives from raping its victims, usually sodomizing men, but sometimes targeting women as well. Many tales of demons suppose encourage its victims to tell others of what they have experienced, fanning panic and the possible feeding into the fear of this generates. The demon typically is said to have got about its dark deeds at night, coming to people as they sleep and are helpless. The precise origins of these entities is unclear, but a popular idea is that they were dingy, conjured up by a sheik to wreck the havoc of those who wronged or offended him. After the which he lost control, there came a freedom run amok. Other ideas are the ghosts of the former slaves during the days of Zambia's promise as an Arabian slave trading port, or they were with they are witches, warlocks, or even evil spirits. Whatever they are, it's certain it sounds like they are the most surely be spooky folklore. But the region where these demons are said to prowl, they are thought to be very real, and numerous accounts of scared locals encountering them. One of the most famous modern cases of an incident involving a popo boa. Supposedly occurred in 1971 when a village girl was allegedly attacked. Are possessed by one of the entities. The girl was reported speaking in a gruff, deep male voice, as well as oozing the smell of sulphur and causing a sound like a car revving to emulate from the rooftops. The villagers insisted it was going, it was the doing of Papa Boa, and it apparently took a powerful shaman, a goat sacrifice, to cast it out. At around the same time, there's a spate of sightings of the creature lurking around the back reports of. Attacks causing a mass hysteria at the time, during which people were afraid to leave their homes, and armed men kept sentry outside of the houses and patrolled the streets at night. Interestingly, this mass panic continued up until the assassination of Zambia president in 1972, after which the demon counters dropped off. Sightings attacked by alleged demons tend to come in waves, and though always being mass 
and always bringing mass hysteria with them. After the 1970s, another such panic happened in 1995, when terrified villages on the island of Ugore claimed that one of the creatures terrorised him, often appearing as a naked humanoid with a tail carrying a jar of medicine. It's thought to be entering houses to attack locals and hospitals. Admitting numerous people with broken bones and other injuries were attributed to the beasts. Hysteria got so bad that the murdering mob of armed men claimed to have, been, have attacked and stabbed the demon, but it, was, it had escaped to continue its rampage. Typically, a mentally ill man was allegedly killed by a mob who was after, after, by a mob after fingers were pointed him for being a culprit. One purported victim of the demon this time was a local farmer named Mescalon Hamed, who explains of his encounter. I could feel it, sometimes pressing on me. I couldn't imagine what sort of thing had happened to me. As I feel it, I feel as if you're screaming with no voice. It's just like a dream. But I, then I was thinking it was this Papa Baba. He'd come to do something terrible to me. Something spiritual. Sexual. It's the worst at what he does to a woman. I don't believe in spirits, so, so maybe that's why it attacked me. Maybe it will attack some uh, anyone who does not doesn't believe. Oddly, like the 1970s mass panic, 1995 incident coincided political turmoil. Didn't been doing a further fiercely contested election in Zambia at the time. Continuous elections and resulting in civil rights arrests 2000 and 2001 were also ground zero for Hapobawa sightings. However, this was not always the case as a major panic. Also happened in 2007 when sacred men in the Das on the west mainland coast of Tanzania began telling of the help being ruefully summarised in his sleep by Anthony, forcing them to sleep in groups and cover themselves in pig oil, which they believed warded off it off. At the time, there's no election to progress. What are we dealing with here? This is something of a genuine supernatural phenomenon. Or is it something else? The fact that many ways of Pomboana accounts occur during elections has caused... Some suggest a myth may be used as a political tool and to sow unrest among the superstitious populace. This is not an ideal that it, it's just a legend that's sort of gotten out of hand and could also be just a manufacturer of sleeping polaris, also known as old hag syndrome, in which people is caught between walking and dreaming state and has hallucinations, quite often including chest shadow figures and senses of something sitting upon their chest. Yet, Many of the locals in the area where Hapoboa was found insist that these demons are very real, not just myths and stories. However, they may, whatever they may be, superintendencies are merely deserts of superstition. Your reimagination of fear they generate, even in the modern times, is very real. A terror Podoboa lives on. Horrors are often mentioned, especially in relation to paranormal. But rarely do we see a good explanation re- explaining what they are. Who- People said to have good or bad or auras or auras reflecting certain emotions. But how can you see? How can those who cannot cannot see an aura is see? An aura is a subtle light surrounding a person, object, example may may be familiar 
with his halo in religious art. Yara is often used in religious art to identify person or people with particular power or holiness. Interestingly, Yara is depicted in religious art in almost all religions and examples can even be seen of historic pent- pentaglyphs. Religion aside, many believers that every object living has not had an auroras, whether it is visible or to the others, or may depend on innate ability to whether the person seeing it has some particular training in saying auras. Auras are said to be ranged from a simple glow to inanimate objects as more complex interplay of colours surrounding a human. There can be layers of auras, each of their own colours. Some associate the colours with various personality traits, or even expression of person's emotions. Of course, as many uh, as everything else, sketches abound. There are many suggest that many of you will see auras during migraines, epilepsy, sympathasia, neurological decision with those stimulating one sense leads to the experience of another sense. Such as people experience colours of co- sounds, visual disorders, brain disorders, eye fatigue, and the influence of psychedelic drugs such as LSD. But regardless of what sceptics think, people have seen auras throughout history, regardless of the time period of the culture, particularly in religious spirit contexts. In the Middle East, auras have been traditionally been associated with enlightenment in the the prophet Zulkaster, who founded a Zubmasium in ancient Iran 3,500 years ago, is said to have been shone with the Kura, Aura. In Islam, the prophet Mohammed is depicted with Fora, Aura, through images of few. Auras are seen and depicted in Eastern religions. Buddhism, the enlightened Buddha, is something is sometimes shown the colours around him to demonstrate his enlightenment. Both Hinduism and Buddhism, a person's aura colours are often linked with eternal energy and the chakras. In Jizanism, Dainism, there is a belief that the soul reflects the colours in a karmic manner it associates with. Each person's colour varies depending on the psychic states of mental activities behind an action. A high low of light is often a feature of the Christian art through the world. Oh. Aura is often used to describe several times. Examples Acts one fourteen gives this account that look that took during the Feast of Pentecost and suddenly there came a sound from the heavens of a rushing wind. It filled all the house while they were sitting, and they appeared into the, their cloven tongues like as fire. I sat upon each of them. Mystics and cultists have long made auras part of their teachings. In general, and maintain the aura is an energy field that surrounds the human body, and generally divide into seven layers and complex interplay of seven colours. The first colour is called commonly called the layer. Is usually associated with a person's health. Yeah, but next layer is a spiritual layer. It indicates a person's thoughts and emotions. But bear in mind, this is just a generalisation, and appears to rely on each individual viewer to interpret. Interpretation is abundant. A sight's a claim to help you see auras by performing various exercises. There are various devices that can be found, such as Kelvin photography, which uses high voltage, high frequency, low amperage. Pitch, Electrical fields to capture images on a film that claim claim to be uh, indicate auras, and on eBay and Amazon, aura glasses have been purchased. Are based supposedly on the work of Dr. Walter J. Kellner. He discovered an apparent human filter 
aura that could be viewed when using the filter that made ultraviolet light visible. Last, that's not least, there are iPhone apps from iPhone and Android phones that claim to make the auras visible. All these claims could be viewed solely for entertainment. As a friend of mine once said, if someone on the internet tells you it's raining, you better stick your hand at the window and see if it, if it gets wet. In short, the profession, perception of auras is not a recent development. Received and described through history all over the world. While the real meanings associated with auras may lie simply, most of us agree that auras consist of several layers. Each of them can be different colour. The colours reflect metal and emotional states of personal traits. It's also sometimes seen as great enlightenment of spiritual development. Spooky podcasts to listen to. Spirits. About a boozy weekend weekly podcast about mythology, legends, folklore. Hear fresh takes on classic myths and learn new stories from around the world. Served over ice over ice of two tipsy heroes, three Greeks. Podcast Booze and spirits. Belair and Vesna talk haunted happenings with drunken twists. Find them wherever you listen to the podcast, a paranormal podcast where two goals tote haunts while sipping cocktails. Booze and Spirit Podcast. Spirit Guides Radio. Spirit Guides Magazine is your source for inspired learning, development, and connection. Self love. Our mission makes spirituality accessible to soul searchers who want to deepen their spiritual practice and cart new maps for all souls. Whether you're a pilgrim of soul or a worldly lovenderless or both, we are there divinely attuned to compass. Spiritualguidesmagazine.com. High Spirit Chicago. High Spirit Chicago is a podcast dedicated to talking about all things ghosts. Host of Chicago's very own Nicolette Smith and Jay Sigerman. SoundCloud.com. Spirit Radio, the paranormal experience. Join our host, Willie Hansel, Lorraine Nicholson, for weekly radio hosts covering show covering all subjects of the paranormal world, which weekly guests from around the world, ghosts, Spirits, UFO, and Encounters Bigfoot. This is a show where the paranormal comes to normal. So join us on a journey to the unknown, unseen, and the unthinkable. Paranormal Talk Stream Live. Co. Spirit Series. Conversation about spiritual, paranormal experiences hosted by Karina Machido. Authors, Spirit Sisters, is a non-fiction collection of Australian women's true life, spooky experience. It's moving, thought-provoking and chilling. Spirit Sisters, the podcast, Pod B. The Haunted Ride, a podcast to help you embrace all the paranormal, spiritual things that might happen throughout this journey we call life. The host shares the experience of ghosts, demons, angels, hauntings, possessions, attachments, aliens and cryptids, as well as what it's like to be a psychic, medium, empath, intuitive, how to listen to messages from the universe. TheHauntedRide.com Big Secrets Forecast Patrick Keller of the Big Secrets invites you to join an open discussion on all things paranormal. But specifically, topics like ghosts, hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. A candles around you lit. So come in 
and join the seance. Big Seance Podcast dot com. On the odd paranormal interview show hosted by my stage and new guests in each episode who talk about their haunting experiences of ghosts and the spirit world. Join Mark as he takes a serious non-judgmental approaching and most intriguing conversations with experts globally. Toys about compulsory areas of paranormal, supernatural, demonic, spiritual investigation, haunted houses, possessions, spiritual people and explained and more. The odd or dot all dot com a funny feeling comedians of paranormal enthusiasts Bits Betsy Sodaro and Messia Gerraro invite their com- their comedy friends celebrity ghosts to tell their true paranormal experiences and here's spooky tale stories submitted by listeners headgum dot com that's a spirit a ghost enthusiast Stephanie Robin fond of scary movies, shares and talks about spirits. Join him, Ghosty Good Time, by hearing their podcasts. Soundcloud.com Castle of the Spirits Audio Ghost Stories Audio Ghost and Spirit Stories about the renowned paranormal website. Tune in to hear and experience a ghostly good time for yourself. Castle of Spirits.podbeam.com Supernatural Girls where the paranormal is normal. The guests, guests include Worldwide, interviewed by paranormal experts, supernatural girls, Patricia Baker, and her co-hosts, guests from the world, and others. BlogTalkRadio.com Life's treasures and golden moments. The sharing of true stories of a miracle inspiration in the life to lift the human spirit and inspire the motivation, positive action in life's history journey we are delighted that we have t- chosen to take make us part of your journey miraclesleslesbian.com sometimes cold london the heritage of uh, highly unusual it's the latest semi project the herb Leicester's association is already published guides to just about everything can be plotted from close down london to uncle london this new fold-out map points out 59 sites of historic interest across the capital. Laura is the love from the first text we find upon opening the weird package. It's not a reference to ninth busy first song ever written by John Squire, but rather catchphrase of Alexander Crowley. Crowley remains, of course, the towering figure of gold London. Its wide-eyed likeness glares out from the centre of the map. It's one of in one of his silly hats and pops it over town like a demon on an oyster card. All the sights you expect of the gold London map are there here, from the Atlantis bookshop to the Mesolithic Temple on London Street to the castles of Nicholas Helpsmore. You learn a lot too. Greenwich Park, we read, is a home of waterfall, water fountain built by members of ancient stone circle. The world's end pub is Cinnamon. Camden is built on a land once owned by Wick whose husband met a grisly end in the oven. Charing Cross Road at Wingwell was home to Gerald Gardner, who played his part in the war, staged by effort by staging a musical, magical assault on the mind of Alfred Hitler in 1940. The map details the 12th century history, but is bang up to date by the inclusion of such gems as Welcome Collection, the Victor Weird, 
We'll add museum currencies. It's everything you need. It's for London's mystical, mystical, outworldly site. Just don't expect to find Harry Potter. A cult Londoner. A guide to unusual, highly unusual. He's out there. From Herb Lester, price £12. Signed by Brian Brewer, written by Kate Hodges, and insert of magical camp tools by Tree Car. The story of Helen Duncan, who was jailed of witchcraft in 1944, certainly cast a spell on people. And it has been announced that there's have a street in her hometown of Canada named after her. Her family says Haddish now, as she became known, was not a witch, was a wonderful medium in the 30s and 40s. Others say she's a fool, so made cash holding sentences that she wasn't very good at. Helen's psychic tendencies seem to have been there from childhood. Born in 1997, Victorian Helen McFarlane was said to readily predict doom and devastation. A mum of six and married to Henry Duncan, she encouraged by Henry to make money from her clairvoyant abilities. She read tea leaves and make predictions of cash. After moving to Edinburgh, of saints had become widely known, Helen was making a good living selling a spiritualism. At the shows, she wild villainses by producing aphorism from mouth. She agreed to summon the spirit guide, Peggy, who materialised behind the curtain. In 1928, a photographer used flash photography. We were called Duncan in action. This, these revealed Peggy to be a clumsy Debbie, wrapped in a sheet. When the London spiritualist alleged lights investigated Duncan's claims, they found the ectoplasms, you regurgitated, made a cheesecloth, paper, egg white, a toilet paper. She later elaborated on this performance by adding rubber gloves and cut off heads from magazine covers, claiming they were spirits. At an Edinburgh Science, one of the stators grabbed Peggy, who was then discovered to be made from a child's vest. A former maid and husband both admitted to help her helping her prepare the different tricks and effects she used in seances. Helen was first investigated in 1941, then during a seance in Plumsworth. She claimed the spirit of a sailor told her that the HMS Barham had been sunk, a fatal ship which sunk off the coast of the Crete by German submarine had been kept secret. Only the families of 862 crew men killed had been informed. It was not announced publicly until July 1942. The Navy then took an interest in the seances and were not impressed with what they found. At one of the sittings, a white cloth figure behind a curtain claimed to be the lieutenant's dead aunt. He didn't have a dead aunt. Later on, another ghostly figure announced herself as his sister. His sister was very much alive. After the, invest- the lieutenant reported Duncan to the police, they began their own investigation. The white fabric figure turned out to be a medium herself. It emerged that her revelation about HMS Barkham had come from another source. Duncan was initially arrested under the Veracracy Act and started tried by magistrates. Her case was then upgraded and was eventually charged her for the Witchcraft Act, under the Witchcraft Act of 1835. Spiritual activity was tried by jury. Helen was convicted in 1944 and was imprisoned in Holloway. She served six months of her sentence before she being released in 1945. Despite promising and stopped conducting seances, she was arrested during 
another one in 1956. He died later that year. Now, uh, Fanny Hope, a proposed Duncan Drive, is a new state in Permanentshire town, will help to reclaim her reputation. Her granddaughter, Henry Margaret Hayne, said, I can't change what happened to my grand or family, but I can continue to work on a graduacy as a wonderful medium. I would be honoured to have a street named after my grandma. Many individuals visit at Canlander every year, just because this is where Helen Duncan is born. A plan for Helen for Duncan Drive consoles for a proposal for a memorial to all Scottish witches and fife. Five council meets wants to rebuild a bring the rock navigation beacon, which is moved to build a new bridge across the Forth, at a site where Lewis Adé was buried in 1704. Typical writer Sharon, Sharon, Sarah Sheldon, author of Where Are Women, belong, welcomes the move to honour Duncan and memory of all the Scots and branded witches. She said, I think it's great, but nobody. Our prominent women's legacy is beginning to be normalised in our own in our own built environment. It's really important that women's achievements are immobilised, and this is done in the same way we, um, we memorise men's lives. Chris and Girl was born on an idea the best way to bring awareness to plight the poor is through story. Dickens was considered writing pamphlets and essays, but they're not always ways to reach people's hearts. People love stories. A few weeks earlier, his friend Baroness Burnett Coops have considered donating a system of religious inspired schools called known as the Ragged Schools. She'd asked Dickens if he would visit a school at Stratham, Stratham Hill in London and relay his impressions. Dickens was shocked when he saw I have seldom seen in all the strange and dreadful things I've seen in London and elsewhere. Anything so shocking as dire in the gate of soul and body exhibited in these children to these children. Mackenzie Dickens page one one three forty four to one forty four. Charles Dickens. It was his personal experience that booted Dickens with a sense of duty to help the poor. During growing up, his London father, Charles John Dickens, was a prison, Malaysian debtor prison, and Charles was forced to leave school and work in a blacking factory. Before the Black Safety Act of 1869, debtors in London were brutally imprisoned and registered their creditors. Memories of the buried would haunt Dickens for the rest of his life. Though he loved his father, he saw in him a cold-hearted miser, inspiring the drill characters of Ebenezer Scrooge. The cold in him froze, his old features nipped his old pointed nose, but his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly his grating voice, Charles Dickens. Victorian London experienced an economic boom, but one that left the poor behind. Moving to London to search for opportunities for harsh and daring life, the country may become disappointed, disillusioned, disillusioned, desolate. The Industrial Revolution brought huge wealth to a tiny percentage of the population, majority escaping a living in damp, noisy factories and cramped, filthy slums. Dickens and the Baroness felt that education was the solution. Lisa gave hope to the poorest of the families, and their children might one day break the mould of poverty and join the raising middle class on Saffron Hill Ragged School, still playing on his mind. In October 1843, Dickens visited the Working Men's Educational Institution, Industrial City, Manchester, London, England. It was there where Dickens had a regular moment. 
Instead of rushing into a rustic piece of the plate of the poor one, he'd write a ghost story, a Christmas carol. Though the story Dickens asked for people to recognise the plate of those, those who have just through the revolution, it a place that driven to poverty, operation of society, provided them humanity. Critical praise poured in. A tale to make the reader laugh and cry, to open his hands and open his heart, to attract even forwarder and drink charitable. A daily, men, daily dish to set before King, London Literary Magazine, Afrofrenum. A national belief, benefit to every man and woman who reads it. It's a personal kindness, Michael William Makepeace. Factory in Fraser's magazine brings the old Christmas of the bygone centuries and remote manor houses in the living rooms of port of today, the New York Times. Scottish writer Margaret Affert described it as a new gospel. The impact was astonishing. In spring of 1894, there was a sudden burst of charitable giving in London. Scottish philosopher and writer Thomas Carlyle stays two Christmas dinners before reading the book. After attending a reading of the Christmas Eve in Boston, Massachusetts, in 1867, Mr. Furbanks closed his factory on Christmas Day and sent every employee a turkey. British stage actor Sir Squire Bancroft raised £22,000 for the poor by reading Christmas Carol out in the public. While today's information revolution replacing many likelihoods, the story is relevant, as it was for Charles Dickens, in advocating the humanizing focus Christmas holiday. Charles Dickens influenced many aspects of people we know today, and one of the most influential stories you're ever going to read, and is considered one of the greatest ghost stories of all time. That's why it's been included in this episode of The Ghostman Show. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show, and I thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.